Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And DeYoung sends a fly ball out to deep left field. It's at the track. Wall gone! Three-run homer, Paul DeYoung. Oh, did he need that one. Four-nothing Cardinals here in the first. Against this right-hander and gets another pitch to drive. Out to deep right center. He's done it again. How about that? Back-to-back days. Off the bench. Three-run Williams with a drive out to left center off the bench pinch hit two run homer Justin Williams and then yesterday it was Harrison Bader with a three run homer welcome into the Danny Mac show clean sweep of the Pirates for the St. Louis Cardinals with Brandon Kiley BK I'm Danny Mac and we welcome you into the program Tanner Hendricks uh, Hendrickson you're Tanner Hendrickson. <laughs> Nailed it. Thanks. We got there. I've had a long morning already, guys. It's Monday. It's Monday. I feel you. I got, well, I had something in my throat and it came out Tanner Hendrickson. You just get choked up every Monday morning when <laughs> you have it. the opportunity to see him. I get it, Dan. How you doing? How was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. When they win, it's a lot easier. I, I can tell you that. Uh, that was a good weekend. Cardinals won yesterday 3 to nothing. Carlos Martinez was really good. Eight innings, five hits, couple of walks, uh, three strikeouts with 100 pitches. But really, I, I think the big picture you have to look at right now in the last couple of weeks, the Cardinals starters, 14 games, and their starting pitching has reached the fifth inning in all those games. And during that span, the starters, 88 innings pitched and a 1.94 ERA, nine quality starts. This is what we were anticipating. I don't know to this degree, but you'll take it. Starting pitching has been magnif- uh, magnificent for St. Louis. It was a tale of two halves in the first month of the season for the Cardinals. The first 14 games last in Major League Baseball and starting pitching ERA. The last 14 games first in starting pitching ERA in all of baseball. So you went from quite literally the worst to the best in terms of your starting pitching. Will it be at this peak? Will it be at that valley? Probably not, but I think they're going to land somewhere in the top 10 moving forward, Dan. This is a good starting staff. They are deep. Tested early on with not having KK in there. You can almost look, and it's it's basically a one-for-one. One. When he got inserted back into the rotation, things stabilized a little bit. I know his first start wasn't deep, but it allowed them to have a little bit more stability, and I think we're going to see more of that moving forward. This is what the Cardinals wanted the team to be, and now we're starting to see it. Got some news over the weekend that uh, on, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, Michaelis threw three. It was actually Friday. He threw three innings on the side. He'll make a start this week, so you hope that, and that'll be in the minor leagues, you hope that maybe he's coming back. And and in those three innings, Mike Schilt told me he was spinning breaking balls, throwing off speed, all the things that you think could lend itself to having problems. Came away, no problem. So you don't know about that. You got your fingers crossed. The other thing is on a bad side is Ponce de Leon had to be put on the I.L., and the major concern right now is Jordan Hicks. When the Cardinals get to the ball, uh, ballpark, there'll be more imaging on his arm. 
see what's going on there. A lot of times that guys that have Tommy John, they do get this. It does happen. It's the inflammation that goes along with it. Remember, Hicks did not have a rehab assignment. Um, Opted out of last year. A lot of bullpens. Those things happen. They don't seem to be overly concerned, but we find out once you get to the ballpark. So that's something to keep in mind going forward. So that was the downside of the weekend. Here's the positive. A slider to Harrison Bader, and he hit it out. And that is a positive. The other thing that I'm seeing, Tyler O'Neill. He showed his skill set this weekend. He is a solid defender. Won the gold glove last year. He had a stolen base. He's hitting the ball to right field, and he's hitting for power. If Tyler O'Neill does this and doesn't go into prolonged slumps, you're okay if Harrison Bader isn't the kind of offensive player that you want him to be because he's down in the lineup and he's going to give you great defense. Not to say you hide him in the lineup, you want him to be that player, but Tyler O'Neill is giving you production. And if he's doing that, that's a plus. The other thing I'm seeing, Paul DeYoung is this close to coming out of it. He was hitting rockets all over the place, didn't have a lot to show for it, did hit a home run. But, man, he was hitting the ball hard every time up just about. That's a good sign, too. Yeah, Cardinals outfielders not named Dylan Carlson. And this was always the question coming into the year. What would those guys be able to do? Well, over the weekend, and it's a small sample size, of course, they hit 384 with a double, three homers, seven runs, nine RBI, a couple of stolen bases, which was nice to see. That has not been an element for the Cardinals much of the year. And maybe the single most important number for these two guys in particular five strikeouts and 26 at bats that's what you want to see if they can just limit the number of strikeouts it doesn't have to be zero i you're never going to get that especially out of bader and o'neill but if they're providing some of that power and they're doing so without having 35 percent strikeout rates that's when you've really got something going and when you can get a weekend like that where you've got goldie hitting you got an arenado with an awesome weekend by the way we don't, we're not going to talk about that today because it's just become expected well that's also arenado thanks, was great yeah that's thanks to the left fielder of the pirates too <laughs> touche oh uh, in the weather the weather helped it he had a rough weekend man <laughs> Holy smokes. It's not a very good baseball team they've got up in Pittsburgh. I know the record's been all right, but not a very good baseball team. But to your point, you're right. Arenado had a very good weekend, made some really good defensive plays. He had three doubles at right BK Mm -hmm. and six RBIs on those three doubles. But uh, to the benefit of some misplays, maybe. It doesn't matter. You put the ball in play, things happen, right? And how about the pinch hitting? The Cardinals have a bench again. This is great. You get Tyler O'Neill back, you get Harrison Bader back. Now you get Justin Williams into a role that he probably should be playing, which is as the fourth outfielder. Matt Carpenter in the role where he should be playing, which is as a bench bat in advantageous situations. And now your pinch hitters had more RBI over the weekend than they did the entire time that Tyler O'Neill was out of the lineup. Let's talk a little bit about Carlos Martinez. Looked really good. We noticed on the broadcast yesterday, I noticed it two starts ago. He, he was starting to use his cutter a little yep. bit more. He used his cutter a lot yesterday. We talked about it in the moment in the game. And then last night after the game, Mike Schilt talked about uh, Carlos Martinez and his outing. He was really great, obviously. Um, pretty much in control of what he was doing. Quick adjustments if, you know, got away from him a little bit. Had the ball on the ground. A lot of, gra- you know, a lot of outs on the ground, 12 outs. And uh, controlled counts for the most part. You know, 70 strikes, 100 pitches. Did a really nice job. Pitched uh, both sides of the plate. Changed speeds. Everything working. Changeup was good when he used it um slider effective fastball had good movement just uh excellent job that's the key when he's getting ground balls like that that's when carlos martinez is right of those ground balls he got a couple of double plays that helped clean up innings he had three behind him total and the cutter 
to me is the difference right now going forward for Martinez. Dan, I took a really deep dive into some of the numbers. You doing numbers? I, especially on Carlos, when something like this is interesting, where it's like, okay, what's going on here? Because this is new and different, and it's looking more like the picture that we had seen previously. Look at the cutter numbers. What's changed? Yep. Well, what's changed is he's getting lefties out. Yep. And why he's getting them out is because of the cutter. This has been the difference for him. If you're looking at who he's using this cutter against, it's 40% of the time that he's throwing to a lefty. It's the cutter that's coming at him, and he's able to get those easy ground outs. It's becoming ground balls, and they're converting those into outs behind him. Dan, this is definitely something worth monitoring moving forward because the result is he's had three walks against lefties so far this year. Lefties have a 5-10 OPS against him, and in his career, this has been the issue. He hasn't got lefties out at as high of a rate as righties. They have a 7.50 OPS against him. It's 6.12 against righties. So basically, lefties are above average hitters. Righties are terrible against him. If this sustains, not at a 500 OPS level, that's not sustainable. But if he's good against lefties, we're going to see pretty good Carlos for the remainder of the year. And why wouldn't you do it? You know, he was having issues with lefties. Remember, the opposition was stacking lefties against him. And sometimes that slider was becoming a cement mixer for him. The other thing I noticed yesterday is that if he's got or wants to go to it, 96-97, it's there. He's got it. Unfortunately, uh, Stallings found it on his face at 97. Jeez. Yeah, again, I don't like to see that or even hear about it, but thank goodness he's all right. But he's got it there. The other thing, though, is his fastball. You know, his fastball, and he was getting ahead early in counts, which sets up the secondary pitches, which is his cutter. If he can do that, he's going to be just fine. The other thing I've noticed in the last two outings for him, and I mentioned this with Michelle this morning, the game against the Phillies, you had the drop by Justin Williams in right field man at second base he tries to pick him off throws it in center field winds up at third comes around and scoring those had been blow-up innings for him didn't turn out to be a blow-up inning one run scored take your medicine you move on he still stayed in the moment yesterday the play was stallings that could have gotten away from him and it has in the past there's a track record where at times he lets those innings and those games get away from him he didn't do it so i give him credit for doing that so we're seeing the positive of Carlos Martinez, and that is a good thing going forward for this club. So one question that I would be curious about, Dan, because I, I was looking this up as well, because the strikeout numbers are not there for Carlos. And, and I'm okay with that. I am too. I would be curious. Do you think that is a concerted effort by him to say, you know what? I might not be the strikeout pitcher that I once was, but I can get ground balls. I've got a yes. fantastic defense behind me, and that's where the cutter comes in once again because it's it's not a strikeout pitch for him. It's a pitch where he's going to pitch to contact with it. Do you think that's something that he is thinking about, that the Cardinals are thinking about, or is this just it, it happens? I think it's part of it. I think his cutter usage, usage is a part of it. I also think velocity. You know, when you come in out of the bullpen or even in his younger years as a starter, look at his velocity and where it was. You know, you get 95 to 97 consistently, and it's dropped a tick or two. You're going to get hit a little bit more. So I think that's a byproduct of that, too. But you got to evolve. So how do you evolve? You throw the cutter more to lefties. Gotcha. And I think that's part of it. And it, that's where he's getting his ground balls. So it's been fun to see, man, because he is a talent. There's no other way to look at it. Mike Schultz said it yesterday. I think it's probably the best way to put it. He's pitching. He's not throwing anymore. That's, he's that's pitching. What I mean. And I know that's like a, a baseballism. That's exactly what I mean. It's true. Yeah. Coming up, Andrew Kisner, Cardinal catcher, will be our guest. Looking forward to that. And Kisner, we would assume, would be behind the plate again tonight. We'll talk about, I, I don't know if you picked up on this, and I want to ask him about it, but 
he in those two starts, he was getting shook off a lot by Carlos. I think that's okay. And yep. I actually think it's a good thing. You get a pitcher with conviction on those pitches, so we'll talk about that. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. In the air, out to deep left. It's well hit. At the wall. It is off the top of the wall. O'Neal will score. Kisner to second. Oh, I thought he had it on that one, too. Andrew Kisner is our guest, 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin, the Danny Mac Show. That's BK. And we welcome in Cardinals catcher Andrew Kisner. Andrew, I know that uh, day of games and especially the first game of a series are busy days uh, for you guys. Thanks for doing this. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Uh, I got to ask you: When you were drafted by the Cardinals, you're playing on the infield, and then they're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna say, "Hey, Andrew, you're, you're gonna be a catcher." What What did you think when they said, uh, "You know, Andrew, you put on the gear. You're gonna be a catcher." What did you think? Well, my first reaction was uh, obviously I was a little surprised um, to to make that change, but you know, I was. Uh, you know, willing to go into it and uh, give it a shot and, you know, give it my best shot. And I'm glad I did. I think it, I think it uh, worked out and, um, you know, I'm happy with that decision. Don't you love being involved in just about every play? Isn't that kind of fun to be involved with just everything? You know, when you're in the field, not to say that you're not involved, but there's a lot of standing around when you're a catcher, you're involved in everything. Yeah, I I think I definitely like that. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, physically demanding position but even more so it's mentally demanding and i and i like that challenge of going into every game you know uh with a with a game plan and and trying to execute it with the pitching staff it's uh it's challenging but it's fun andrew had you ever played catcher before prior to being drafted to the cardinals i mean did you have a history whether it be in little league or t-ball or whatever playing catcher no so i never caught until i made the change my sophomore year in college that was my, my first time I started catching. But before that, I had never owned catching gear, catching mitt, anything like that. What was the toughest adjustment for you? Like when you first start doing it, is it the game calling? Is it just being behind the plate? Like what what specifically was it for you where you were like, damn, man, I didn't know this was going to happen while I was back here? I think the toughest thing for me initially was the the physical demands. I think the flexibility was the toughest thing for me out of the gate when I first started. Um, not saying I wasn't flexible, but when you're catching and you're catching every single day, that flexibility and the strength that you have to have in those flexible positions is something that you have to build up over time. Yeah, there's no doubt that that happens. Um, I want to ask you about Carlos yesterday and, and his previous start. I noticed early on he was shaking you off a lot, and I've said that's not a bad thing because you want a pitcher to have conviction on what he wants to throw. The The signs are really a suggestion in many ways for the pitcher. How do you feel about that when a guy shakes you off and you, you just go with the pitch that he wants to throw? Yeah, we had multiple meetings in spring training about um, conviction with the pitching staff, and when it comes down to it, uh, the coaches, me, everybody on that field, we want the pitcher throwing what he feels the best with throwing. We want that guy up there with conviction, throwing, throwing and executing a good pitch, the pitch that he wants to throw. Um, you know, there, there are times where I may put down the same sign a couple of times because I really feel strongly, but, um, you know, most of the time, especially with guys like Carlos who has, you know, six pitches that are 
disgusting. They're all really good. He can throw them in any count, any spot. You know, sometimes with guys with that many pitches that are that good, a lot of pitches work in a lot of different counts. So, um, you know, I trust Carlos. Carlos trusts me. And um, obviously, like yesterday, we went out and uh, uh, had a great game together. Andrew, when you're looking at Carlos and he comes into the season, I don't know if this was something that you guys talked about or if he just showed up with it, but he's added back in the cutter. And this is something that we saw in 2018, but he kind of got away from it the last couple of seasons. Can you tell us about maybe when you started noticing that he was throwing it again and what that's like for you as a catcher to be able to have that included in his arsenal? Uh, I think he started back in spring training this year, but you know, I think the thing that makes that pitch so good is what we already talked about, the conviction that he throws it with. You know, he's not scared to, you know, throw that thing inside the left-handed batters or down and away to right-handed batters. Um, so, for me, that's a great pitch for, for him because he's confident with it, and that's the number one thing. Uh, you get to catch uh, Wayno tonight. I'm assuming I'm going to go ahead and put you in the starting lineup. I'll call Shilty <laughs> and make sure you're in there. Um, when you see and you put down number two and you see that breaking ball coming, and I was looking at the spin rate of Adam Wainwright of 10 years ago to now, and at times it's been better this year. It's unbelievable what this guy's doing. What What is it like and how he's had success and why he's he had success and still going strong here at the age of 39? There's only one way to survive, you know, in the big leagues for as long as he has. And that is you have to be a smart player. You have to be a smart pitcher. And you have to know that uh, certain things that worked, you know, 15 years ago might not work now, but you have to have that ability to recognize it and make those adjustments. And that's exactly what he does, not only from a year-to-year basis, but he can make adjustments pitch-to-pitch. And that, that mental awareness is what separates him from, a lot of other guys in the league. Andrew, you've now gone uh, almost a couple of weeks of being basically the everyday catcher for the Cardinals. And I'm curious, what's the biggest difference been for you that you've noticed, whether it be mentally, physically, whatever, of going from being a, a spot starter for the Cardinals to now at the big league level, getting an extended run as the starting catcher? What's been the biggest difference for you? You know, I haven't really thought too much about that. Um, you know, playing every day is what I'm used to. That's what I've done all the way through the minor league system. So now it just feels like, you know, just like normal for me right now. Um, obviously, it's, it's good to get the opportunity to play. And, and you know, everybody wants Yachty to heal up as, as fast as possible because he's a, a big part of this team's success. So, um, you know, I went into this season with the goal of being ready to help this team win in any way possible. And that's what I'm going to continue to go with. When you watch other games, if, if you know you're in the clubhouse and a game is there's a day game, you guys are playing a night game, or you have a day off, and maybe you're watching or you're watching postseason baseball, something like that. Do you do you call games? Do you think about how you want how you might call that game and and try to use that going forward for the next year or the next day or when you may see that player? Uh, yeah, especially with teams that we're going to play soon or teams in our division, I always watch and see how those hitters are hitting, uh, see who's hot, see who's cold, see what pitches they're hitting, what pitches they're not. So it just adds to that, uh, adds to that scouting report that I already have. I think any time you see a guy multiple times, multiple swings, it's obviously going to help you know that hitter a little bit better, and it's going to help you call better games. 
We're talking to Andrew Kisner, Cardinals catcher, for just another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Andrew, tonight you guys are going to go up against the Mets, and I, I'm always curious whenever whenever you're going up against a fellow, uh, another superstar, and they've got Francisco Lindor on the other side of things. What's that like as a catcher? Do you take any more pride in in trying to find a way to get those guys out? I mean, we know what Lindor's history is. What's that like for you as a catcher? Well, I think anytime you have guys like Lindor and and, and top-notch all-stars that you play against, your, your focus level does go up. I think you have to be a little bit more careful with how you pitch those guys in certain situations. But overall, every hitter has holes. Every hitter has hot zones. So uh, you try to stick with the pitcher's strengths and try to align the pitcher's strength with the hitter's weakness, and, and you just attack those hitters and get outs. And, you know, you can't think too much of it because then you're, you're kind of starstruck. But um, – you just look at it as how do we get this guy out and let's attack the hitter and, and make good pitches. So, um, like I said, not, not a whole lot changes. Just, you're just a little bit more careful in certain situations. Every guy coming out of that bullpen seems to throw smoke. Um, so how many gloves do you go through every year (laughs) and does your hand ever hurt? Um, I usually only have about one glove per year. Um, I always break in a backup just in case uh, instances like yesterday, my glove broke um, <laughs> right before the inning started. I can't remember who was throwing. Uh, I didn't see that. Okay. Uh, I guess it was, it was Carlos. I think it was the, might've been the eighth, seventh or eighth inning. It broke in one of the warm up pitches. So I had a, I had my backup ready to go. Um, but usually I only go through one. Occasionally I'll go through two. Um but yeah, my you know my hand does hurt every now and then. So I, I make sure I ice it after every game, put it in the, a tub of uh, ice water, and cool that thing down from all the flames I've been catching. I'm telling you, man, I, I I've never seen anything like it. Jordan Hicks throwing a 105 mile an hour sinker, and I it's not just the velocity, but it's the movement. And if you're a catcher and you don't catch it right, you got a broken thumb or you got some kind of jam finger. I mean, it's it's hard to catch. I mean, you guys are professionals, and I get it. You've been doing this. You, you've caught a million guys, but it has got to be hard to catch guys that throw that hard with that type of movement. Yeah, it's definitely tough. And I'll tell you what's even tougher. You know, 100 miles an hour straight is a whole lot easier to square up in the glove than, say, 90 miles an hour with sink because you that ball might move a little bit more than you're used to and you get that thing right in the palm. So it's not always about the velocity. It's about the movement, too. I was thinking about this the other day. You had a pop-up, and I think you're using a traditional mask. Uh, It's probably got the absorbent on the mask on the top part and a helmet. And for the longest time, for about a five-year stretch, it seemed like all the catchers were using the hockey-style mask because they thought it would maybe glance the blow of foul tips and that kind of thing. What what are you using now, and what what are catchers using primarily with the, the mask behind the plate? I'm using just the traditional two-piece mask. I think it's pretty. It's a pretty even split across the big leagues with guys using the traditional mask and the hockey mask. I, I always use the traditional. Well, I guess I started out using the two-piece traditional just because I thought it looked cool um, <laughs> yeah. back in college. And <laughs> it's just something I got used to, and um, that's something I'll stick with. Andrew, I'm curious. You mentioned a little while ago, you're talking about the flexibility and how that, that is a tough part to adjust to playing the catcher position. 
What does your off-season look like in terms of workouts? Because I know a lot of guys, it's just the strength training, the traditional stuff. Are you doing, like, yoga? Are you doing Pilates? What What's the training look like in the off-season for Andrew Kisner? Yeah, so my uh, – I, I go pretty much all day, every day in the off-season. I have, you know, a lifting plan, running plan, um, and then something that's new or relatively new, the last two off-seasons I've, I've been working with, a um a guy in where i live in the off season in raleigh north carolina who who does a lot of dry needling um on my hips and a lot of gives me my stretching routines and and we do a lot of stretching and and uh weighted stretching so um i guess that's what i use for my flexibility and i think that's made maybe the biggest difference in my career is working with him and being able to stay loose and stay flexible and and have the range of motion in my hips that i do now now hold on, dry dry needling is that like acupuncture? Yeah, it's it's similar to acupuncture. It's it's the uh, I guess the difference is they're just dry needles, whereas acupuncture oh. I think maybe coated needles. Oh, that so, sounds yeah, awful, so Andrew. I'm telling you, there's times I think I think uh, I think my guy gets enjoyment out of it. <laughs> like I'm a pin cushion. <laughs> hey, growing up, uh, did you have a favorite player, favorite team that you followed? Uh, growing up, I was always a Yankees fan. Uh, Derek Jeter is my favorite player growing up as, you know, most, I feel like most people my age, Derek Jeter was the, uh, the number one guy. Yeah, no doubt. No you got, you guys are going up against Jacob deGrom tomorrow night, or at least that's what the expected starter is going to be. I, and maybe he's the answer for you on this, but is there any pitcher around baseball that you're like, man, it'd be amazing for me to be able to get a hit off of that guy. It, it, any guy. I'll take a hit off anybody. It does not matter to me one bit who it is. <laughs> um, you know. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, with Lindor trying to get Lindor out. It's the same thing facing a guy like DeGrom. You go up there and you, you know his strengths, you know his weaknesses, and you try to put together the best at bat you can. You know, I'll wrap it up with this, and we're seeing now the city is starting to open up a little bit more. Various cities that we go to or see you guys go to, it's opening up. What's it been like to to have the fans back? Because you were competing, whether it be at the alternate site or coming through with the the camp last year and nobody's there. You guys are playing against each other. Then you had games with no one there. What's it been like just to have the fans back? It's unbelievable. It is so much better, and it is crazy how loud stadiums can get with just – 13, 14,000 fans. I can't even imagine and remember what it was like to have 40,000 plus fans. So, um, you know, I think I'm glad, and I know all the players in the big leagues are glad that fans are coming back, and, and it just makes the game that much more exciting. Absolutely. Hey, Andrew, thanks for doing this. We know you're busy. Have a great game tonight, and uh, keep it up. It's been a pleasure to watch you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. That's Andrew Kisner, the, uh, the Cardinals catcher, who's really done a great job uh, filling in for Yachty or Molina. We don't know when Yachty's coming back. I'm sure we'll probably get more word on that today. But uh, Andrew's done, hey, he's been just fine behind the plate and provides a different element, too, than, than Yachty gives as well. You know what's great about this is that we haven't talked a lot about, hey, when's, when's Yachty coming back? And that should be a storyline right now, but it hasn't been because of the way that Kisner has played. And that's not me saying that, like, I don't want Yachty back, but for the here and now... Andrew Kisner has done nothing for me to be like, they need to rush Yachty back. They can take their time with that because of the way that he's uh, he's been both defensively and at the plate. 
And Dan, the other thing is the pitcher seemed comfortable with him. And that has not always been the case with the Cardinals backup catchers because you would see, I mean, I I don't know how many times you guys have shown the graphic on Bally Sports Midwest, Fox Sports Midwest previously of, hey, the catcher's ERA, right? The pitching ERA with catcher X versus Yachty. And typically there's a pretty significant difference between the two. And that has not been the case so far with Kisner back there. Yeah. And I think you could hear from that interview. He's an engaging kid and he is engaged in the meetings too, which is something that not all backups that have been here in town have been that way. And I would say that in the 18 years that Yachty has been the primary catcher, it's probably the toughest spot on the roster. 25 man now 26 man roster is to be the backup to Yachty or Molina. You're just not going to play. So how do you stay sharp? playing major league baseball it's really tough to do now you got to come to the ballpark expecting to play and i know that's cliche everybody does that but when you're the backup to yachty you're just not going to play very much now they'll give you an idea hey we think yachty may take this day off and be be ready on that thursday day game or whatever but it is not it's 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 just not an easy spot to be in, and he's done a really nice job. The other thing that's great to see is I love watching anytime a young guy gets an opportunity, and it can come in a million different ways, and typically it's injury. That is the way that you get your shot. For a guy like Kisner, who's now 26 years old, he's no longer a young prospect the way that he once was, he's given a little bit of runway, and he's running with it. Yep. And that is not always what happens in these opportunities, but he's been able to stick, and that's it's been super impressive. And it's not just the Cardinals that are watching this. It's every other team in baseball, too, to be able to find out, like, hey, how do we get our hands on that guy? Cardinals might have a pretty good one here. That's what they always say. When you're in spring training, yeah, you're, you're trying to make your club, but you're also auditioning for everyone else in the league. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. This is the Danny Mac Show. Our thanks to Andrew Kisner. Back with more in a moment. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Jason Stark had some pretty interesting numbers after the first month of the baseball season. The batting average for the entire sport, the entire sport, 232 in the month of April. That would be the worst ever. The league average in 1968, the year of Bob Gibson, the year of the pitcher, the, the Denny McLean, that was 237. So 232 in the month of April. Ouch. On base percentage, worse since 1968, 309. Slugging percentage, 389, worse since 2014. OPS, worse since 1989, 698. Hits per game. This is the one that got my attention because I, I knew the average was going to be down. On base percentage, I thought would be a little bit better because you you do have walks are part of the game and the three outcomes, the three true outcomes. So I was a little surprised by that. But the hits per game, 7.6 per game. Lowest ever. April strikeouts. This will catch your attention too. Way more strikeouts than hits. 6,924 strikeouts, 5,832 hits. Largest strikeout to hit differential in any month ever. That's over 1,000 differential. Second largest gap was September of 2019, 705. Third biggest was April of 2019 until May of 2019. There had never been a month in the history of baseball where there were more strikeouts than hits. So that tells you the trend and the numbers in terms of offense or activity in the sport not going in the right direction. Yeah, this is worrisome. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously worrisome. And that is saying it at the uh, it's a weak statement, honestly, like seven and a half hits per game. Wow. Seven and a half. hits. Per, that is 
astronomically low and it is a problem for the sport and the number that you mentioned with a thousand more strikeouts than hits in the month of april that is something that baseball has to get fixed what does it mean does it mean moving the pitcher's mound back a foot does it mean that you've got to expand or contract the strike zone i don't know i don't have the answers to these questions but somebody within the sport needs to find something to be able to help I think the first place that I would start is potentially by expanding the zone. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I do think there I, is I some. I, I'm with you. I think you're right because I think I, I just think hitters adjust. I'd expand the zone. I'd try to make them more aggressive. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's something to that that would, and there's been a lot of research that's been done that would indicate that. Yep, would be what happens. Um, I am not. I'm not typically the guy that is like, hey, ban the shift. But if that is what needs to happen to be able to improve the sport, I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, let's allow left-handed hitters in particular to be able to hit singles again because singles are disappearing. And the thing that was most concerning to me, Dan, in this article was doubles are also now disappearing. It used to be like the death of the single was the big headline that everybody wrote about. Doubles almost don't exist anymore. A week ago, the Cardinals were 26th in Major League Baseball. In doubles. So if they weren't hitting home runs, they weren't getting doubles, they weren't scoring. And the research, like when you look at the analytics, the nerdy numbers, like everybody says it's launch angle. It's launching. No, the launch angle hasn't changed in the last four years. So what's happening? What's happening to our sport is that for whatever reason, the balls just aren't dropping the way that they once did. So. Again, I don't have all of the answers. I wish that I did. But whether it be Theo Epstein or if it's going to be somebody else within the the Major League Baseball offices, somebody's got to find something. I've been saying ban the shift. And I understand that some people say hit them where they ain't. And I'll say that sometimes during a game. Here's where I, I would counter myself and I'd say there's guys like Nolan Gorman that are coming up that have played on these top travel teams and have dealt with shifts since they've been in high school and they've learned to hit against the shift. So you're going to have a new wave of players coming through that the shift has been a part of baseball as they knew it from Little League high school now to pro baseball. A guy like Matt Carpenter did not deal with the shift when he was in college. So he's dealing with it on the fly in Major League Baseball. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. you got a new wave of players that has had to deal with this. However, let's just take it out of their hands. Shortstop can't go beyond the second base bag. Same thing with the second baseman. Second baseman either has to keep his feet on the dirt or there needs to be a marking in the, the grass of how far he can go towards the right field line or how far he can go back into the outfield. All of a sudden, you got some singles that drop in. I, I mean, I'm I, maybe just take it away from them. That's one way to do it. I'm also with you. I think you need to expand the strike zone to make them more aggressive. There were so many pitches this weekend. I don't know if you're in agreement and watch much of the games. Lower pi- portion of the strike zone was not given at all. And these were borderline pitches that are at the knees. That's the strike zone. Yep, They weren't given at all. I mean, the borderline, you know, the, you got the box on the television and it was halfway in on the line. Wasn't given. And the umpires were consistent with that. That's a strike to me. Give it to them. The other thing is, I mean, we've placed so much emphasis, and you'll hear this from some people where it's like, hey, you know, a walk is as good as a hit. Well, in some cases, maybe. In other cases, no. (laughs) Like, if you've got a, a man on second, well, that single will score that guy potentially from second if you get it to the outfield. Meanwhile, with a walk, like, 
okay, sweet. Now I've got a man on first and second. I've got another guy coming up. So uh, there, there are some things that just in terms of the emphasis, the importance that we placed on certain things, that that is also something to take into account. We're going to cross it over here in just a minute. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Looking forward to tonight. The Mets are in town. It's the first of four tomorrow. As you mentioned, BK, it looks like DeGrom would go. They're undecided. At least they haven't seen it yet. Who would go tonight? Maybe a bullpen start. Wayno for the Cardinals. And then it would be Stroman on Wednesday, Taiwan Walker then on Thursday. And, uh, hey, who cares who the Cardinals are throwing out? Their starters have been great. Been great. And... You do have some pretty good ones going. You got yes. Wayno on the mound tonight at home, which is always where you want Adam Wainwright starting. KK tomorrow night, John Gant. I will be at the game on Wednesday. He is ah. going to be on the mound for the Cardinals and then Jack Flaherty on Thursday. How about the Brewers? They are 17 and 11. So the Cardinals start, what, a game back of Milwaukee mm-hmm. now? They've had 41 different players in 28 games. Corbin Burns has been out. Brett Anderson's been out. Josh Lindblom has been out. I think there was a seven-day period. They had five or six different catchers, but uh, 17-11, 6.07 winning percentage tied with San Francisco for the best in the National League. They've been a surprise to my, you know, I, I thought the Brewers would be good, not this good yeah. so far, but the real surprise has been the Giants. They played really well. Sure, and what surprised the heck out of me, Dan, was the Brewers took three out of four against the Dodgers. How about that, huh? <laughs> And I wasn't prepared for that mentally. Uh, they've got the Phillies this week. They'll take on the Bre- or the Marlins, rather, over the weekend. And then it's Cardinals versus Brewers again. And that might be the race for the rest of the season here in the National League Central. It at least feels that way. What do you have coming up? Yeah, so it, Alex is going to be out today. He'll be back in tomorrow with us. He's got uh, a few things going on today. He was not able to come in, but we have Katie Wu, the Cardinals beat writer for The Athletic. She's going to join us for the first hour of the show. Then we're going to do a line shift. We've got Jeremy Rutherford, the Blues beat writer for The Athletic, going to join us for the 12 o'clock hour. And then one more time, we're going to switch things up again. We've got Anthony Stalter joining, joining us for the third hour. So Cardinals first hour, Blues second hour, little NFL draft, some other things mixed in for the third hour. A lot of fun today. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.